45% of it matches another job description, and we have no idea who can do what. Well, you, you uh, figure it out. You figure oh, wow. It, you know, guys, <laughs> you figure role, it out. That creating, needs to be done. <laughs> he's about creating opportunities and problems or not solving them necessarily. It's just the, the problems will solve themselves. That's what yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess my next role will be in HR then. <laughs> oh, wow. Some shade from Roland. Welcome to the What's Your Baseline podcast, where we demystify enterprise architecture and business process management. We're here to bring best practices and lessons learned from our years to your ears, as well as interviewing friends we've met along the way on our professional journeys. My name is Roland Volt, and I'm joined today by my co-host, J.M. Erlinson. Hey, J.M., how are you doing today? I am doing pretty darn good. It is nice and crispy and cold outside here in Toronto, Canada. And I'm loving the winter season. It's funny. Folks complain about how they don't like the cold. And I get that. I, I'm a more hot-blooded person normally. But there's something just so beautiful when it's cool, when it's, it's crispy. When you walk outside, you can see your breath. I'm loving this. How are you feeling, my friend? Uh, well, don't want to talk about this here, but I had a not-so-good weekend. But mm -hmm. we still also have snow. And... Um, I don't like it, you know. I just like I said in a couple of minutes ago in our prep call. I hope it's April soon, you know, so that the winter <laughs> is over. So we we will see how that all goes. But speaking of which, you know, prep call. We we have a wonderful guest today, Lotte Wulks, um, yeah. who's uh, dialing in from the Netherlands and will talk with us about uh, process mining data, which is obviously a key topic when doing process mining projects and uh, just between us girls here obviously a big pain in uh wherever as well right <laughs> to get this right and lotta has a uh, good approach to remove that pain at least a little bit i guess so welcome lotta well thanks for that introduction uh, roland i'm uh, very happy to be here <laughs> Roland always puts uh, his best hat on to, to tell everyone why someone's here and Taking away a pain in the butt is uh, definitely a, a good part of process mining, cleansing, and data manipulation to make it work for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, indeed. Well, it sounds like you have a, a really interesting story to tell, but let's start by telling your story of you. Uh, so introduce yourself, Lata. Tell us uh, and our guests a little bit more about yourself and what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm Lotte. Indeed, I'm from the Netherlands, living in Eindhoven. A short summary of myself, I have no pets, one husband, Two co-founders co of a very interesting company that I'll tell you more about in this um, in this podcast, and three bicycles. Don't don't they count as pets? I mean, the two co-founders. Bicycles? Where were you going with? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. No. <laughs> I'm not sure if Martin would agree, but hey, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask him next time. All right. Yeah. So can you, what is your background? How did you get to, to process mining in general, right? And, and obviously you founded a company mm -hmm. um, and, and if you could talk a little bit about that as well, that would be great. Yeah. All right. So a little bit to give the lay of the land of my uh, process mining journey. I, I came across process mining in college. Um, here uh, in Eindhoven, it's actually the birthplace of process mining, something we take a lot of pride in. Um, so I came across it in college together with my two co-founders and we all were amazed by what it could do. Um, I have an industrial engineering background. So what you learn in college then are most techniques from like the, the, which are invented in the 60s and the 70s. And then 
in came this new technique, which is like flashy new that based on data could give you insights in how your process performed and where the bottlenecks lay. And that was something that interested um, all of us. Um, it got us completely hooked. But when we went um, looking for sidekicks in that industry, it was still so low that we couldn't find any jobs in it. And um, yeah, we were so, um, we found this technique so promising that we thought, well, if no one wants to hire us to do it, then we'll start a own company and do it as consultants. So we started Waste Process Intelligence as an um, implementation um, company to help and support cost, uh, customers in their process mining journey. Um, did that for five years. Um, we're really excited with the results that process mining could bring in terms of transparency, in terms of um, finding and uncovering hidden inefficiencies. But along the way, uh, we found out also that process mining itself can be very inefficient. Uh, and that's because the data preparation is, as Roland says, is a pain in the butt. I would just say <laughs> it takes a lot of effort. Um, and we saw that the, the problem persisted among the different tools you could use for process mining and among the different processes and different domains you could process mining apply to. And that's when we decided, okay, if we wanna keep, keep working in process mining and make this a scalable technique, then we need to do something about this data preparation issue. And that's when we started developing Connected, a data preparation platform for process mining. Which we will speak about, I think, ad nauseum within the next hour or so. So, <laughs> but before before we get to this, um, can you tell us a little bit about you as a person? Besides that, you have two pet co-founders and three bicycles. Um, what are your What are your hobbies? What are your interests? What are your your bucket list items? Ooh. Oh, good questions, and a lot of them. So um, I think both career-wise and personally, I always like the data-driven approach to things. So I think most of what I do in my free time is also recorded either on uh, Goodreads, because I love to read, and uh, Strava, because I like to cycle, hence the three bicycles. Um, so that's most of what I'm uh, doing outside of work. Currently, I'm training for uh, big cycling event in France. The cyclists among the listeners might know the Mammot, which is a big cycling event. Um, I think it's like the biggest thing, you know, the, the professionals added to the France. We amateurs, we have the Mammot. So that's um, the, the key bucket list item for this year. Yeah, I just was wondering if you have a yellow shirt on soon and I can see you on TV, but Maybe not. <laughs> not, no, yet. Um, not yet. Not <laughs> yet. I'm afraid that uh, I never really, uh, uh, I was never really that good in sports, to be honest. It's one of the things I was, I would be the one that was picked last at uh, gymnastics. There's even this one story where I would play uh, field hockey as a kid. And um, sometimes you, we would play um, games with, the, with, the, with other teams and our team fell short. So, or, or their team fell short. They would have like less people than we did. And then they would, we would have this conversation like, who who wants to play with the other team? And somehow unanimously, I was always the one that could play for the other. Oh, <laughs> that is mean. <laughs> could, could you keep could you keep the jersey, at least, so that you can hang it in your office or wherever? Yeah, the the, jer the kids' jerseys yeah. of all the different of course teams of all the other for. teams that you played on, you know. <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid my uh, my my power is more within process mining and data engineering than it is for field hockey. But I mean, uh, well, well, here's the thing: we 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 want to have we want to pick you first today to talk a little <laughs> bit about how this works. Uh, and here, here's the, here's the thing: let's get yeah. into the meat of the topic today because 
we, we usually structure this the same way every time, sort of the why and the how. And mm-hmm. let's start with a why. I'd love to hear from your description, from your language, um, mm-hmm. what you talk about when you talk about process mining. I know we've covered that in a few different shows, but just in case someone hasn't gone through our back catalog, tell us about what you see as process mining. Okay, sure. So process mining is a technique to analyze business processes, and it uses the data stored during execution of that process to do so. Um, basically, um, when you process, when you execute a business process, a lot of data is being stored, and process mining uses that data and creates kind of like X-rays of business processes using that data. And that way, it's a very objective and highly data-driven technique to find both inefficiencies in processes um, or compliance issues where things happen that you didn't expect, but also don't want to happen in the future. Would that sum up a good? That's pretty darn good. And so with that in mind, Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier that, that a big issue with process mining and sort of the why of why you do things with Connecti and, and why you focus on on the data side is that the data is your bottleneck in process mining analysis. So tell yeah. me about where data comes in and why at a, at a conceptual level, data can be such a challenging part of the process mining execution. Yeah, of course. So to execute process mining, to create those x-rays of business processes, you need your data in a very specific format. You basically want to know what happened to what thing in the process on wh- in which moment in time. Um, and to get that data in that format, that is a lot of work. So usually they say getting the data in the right format takes you 80% of your project's time, and then you have 20 minutes to a 20% to do the actual um, analysis. I can confirm that. So uh, <laughs> I, I remember um, our approach uh, back in the day was to have short projects, you know, not those super long half year, full year, 100 gazillion connections, but hey, give us your data. We do a f- quick four or five week turnaround and, and see what we have and then build up momentum with yeah. those projects. And I remember one with a bank here. And typically I said, okay, in that approach, we do two iterations on the data model. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like 12 or 13. The data yeah. model that I built, I, I, I christened it the beast. You know? <laughs> and then when I, when I said to my colleagues, hey, can you do that change? I said, no, I will not touch this. You know, <laughs> that is yours. I said, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing now, but it's uh, really familiar. I know exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly how that is. And <laughs> to put that maybe a little bit more in more abstract context, AM, it's, uh, I think it, it was a phrase that I stole and I'll use a lot from your podcast. The, the analogy of doing things backstage and onstage. And um, mm. so the cool stuff on process mining, the, the flashy visuals, the uh, deep diving on, um, on those cool pictures, that's the thing you do onstage. But in order to do that, there's just a lot of preparation uh, necessary, the backstage stuff. And what we do at Connecti is speed up the backstage stuff so you can spend more time onstage. So when you do this, and, and again, mm-hmm. I've, I've been there. What what are the challenges that you see when a process mining project says, "Okay, I want to have a look at that process"? How what do you typically do? And maybe what have you done in the past without Connecty? You know, the mm-hmm. standard way of doing it versus versus then obviously the better way, right? Yeah. That that you propose. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think 
the backstage part of process mining, you can uh, put that into two phases. You have um, data exploration and then you have the data transformation. And afterwards you can go on stage. And what you already say, Roland, is that it's usually not such a very structured thing. Usually you go back and forth. It's a bit agile, right? You uh, have to do multiple loops, be a two or more likely 12 or 13. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to start off with that first thing, which is the data exploration, you need to basically find the data or the tables that contain your process data. Because the, the, the format that you have in the end is like one core table, but the data that you need for that is scattered over dozens of tables and you need to explore where that data resides and how it's all connected to each other, how to connect that little bits and pieces of information into one, one, one log. Um, so that's this, this balance between what you're looking for, actually one event table of what happened on which moment to what, and how it's actually stored. Um, what, you do, what you do there is mainly uh, talking to people. Um, that will be my first, that was always my first thing, talking to people in the process and letting them guide you through their user interface to just get a first assessment of what they can see in their system so you know what's already there. And then there are specific tricks to get that data out faster um, from a backend system, but it all starts with exploring with the users which data is there and then finding out which databases you'll need to attack. And then the fun stuff comes in and that's just going through the main tables and the main documentation to find those data points. Yeah, and it's also interesting because coming from a, a process company, you always mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, of course, you have everything mapped out. There's your BPMN process here and whatnot, you know. <laughs> and then people look at you and you get the stare like, what are you talking about, you know. And then you go and say, oh, okay, I think we need a, a core understanding of a process on a napkin level. You know, and mm -hmm. you literally take a piece of paper and draw boxes or, or create a list. And and then you start, oh, where's your IT guy? And, and do we have something stored? And they say, yeah, in those three systems. Oh, mm -hmm. great. You know, how do we get it? And all that wonderful stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually also the phase where you want to get like the rudimentary things out of the way. For example, we once we did a logistical process and we wanted to use the scanner data. If you've ever been into a warehouse, you always see people running around with scanners that scan boxes and locations to put them there. And it's actually tremendously valuable to mine that process using that scanner data. But talking with the IT guy, he said, oh, well, we don't store the logging. We have to check this box. And from this moment oh. on, we will, we will store Ooh. it, but currently we're not. So that's what you want to do in the, in the exploration as well. Just make sure, is it stored somewhere? And if so, where? Yeah, I, I think that one of the things I get as from a lot of my clients is a claim that they don't have data. When I talk to them about process mining, they're like, yeah, oh, it'd be, it'd be great if we could do that, but you know, we just don't have that information. And almost exclusively in my experience, I've seen that the problem is never the existence of the data, it's the mm -hmm. availability of the data. That data is locked down and difficult to access you know, sources. So for instance, databases or backend systems that don't want to export or, or make that data available through something like an API, or mm -hmm. it's locked down by policy. So they've got internal political or security issues that make it so the data is hard for them to get, or it's locked down by simple lack of knowledge. As in, I don't know where it is, so I can't give it to you. It's not available. But I, yeah. it sounds like one of the things you're doing is you're doing the exploration and the discovery 
of the data for discovery. It's kind of a meta process level, which I feel like a lot of organizations fail to do. And they simply go with what they know, which in some cases is a best guess on the full source, but they miss a bunch of pieces. How much do you, do you buy your own design of systems end up sort of getting people like encouraging them to discover their own information that they've actually paid handsomely to store somewhere. Yeah, that's a good take on things. We actually haven't focused on that much. I mean, you always need to, need people say, we don't have that data, which I usually interpret as, I don't know the guy that's responsible for that database. Because usually when you find a guy, <laughs> it's always a guy, by the way, somehow. Um, but mm. uh, you can you can get it, once you get access to that database, you can see that there's a, there's a lot there that you can uh, analyze. Sure, not everything is locked. You always see some things that are not, but uh, surely there's plenty to uh, to start your process mining analysis from. And then where Connected does come in is once you found a guy, and hopefully in the future also women, um, you, you can mm -hmm. indeed explore those tables a lot faster. Because what you see, you need dozens of tables, which sounds like a lot, but a ERP system can easily contain multiple hundreds of thousands of tables. So finding the right tables quickly is um, an important uh, impo an important task, I'd say. Well, good that SAP is documented well on the internet, and you can Google where are my purchase orders and and all that type of stuff. But I, I agree, it's it's not easy, right? One thing that I noticed is you also typically have a non-coordinated approach to data storage. So defining where does it come from, where does it originate. Where does the data get transformed or moved in a system is obviously important. And then you have to find it. And in between the format of the data itself, you know, that the columns in the tables, they obviously change as well. Is that, is that something that you see also as a problem in that phase? Uh, so you mean that the process change or that tables change over time? Oh, the tables. Yeah, we're talking data in this episode here. The process yeah. is, a, is painful enough, but uh, we're talking data here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd say most of it stays stable as long as you still stay within one system. Um, you usually don't see very big changes of the daytime column that you need for the delivery or something. That's pretty stable. You do see once you want to start using a different module or once you start migrating to another version of that system that a lot of changes do happen. And people say always that their systems are pretty stable, but you do see that there's always a roadmap to change their your IT system. So there's always, it's never done, the data preparation, unfortunately. Yeah, when I think about data preparation, I also think about data keying, because that's one thing that I've seen as a huge challenge. When you say, it's a process from end to end that passes through these seven systems, the process instance ID may take a ton of different forms because each system has its own way of capturing a unique identifier for a case. I would assume, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, that a big part of this is helping to map out the landscape of what a journey of a single case looks like by the data we're tracking the case itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And that's for people that are a little bit less familiar with ProSmine, that's maybe a completely new but, new, but within classical approach mining, you have this notion of a case, something mm. that you can follow through your process. Yeah. And um, the whole reasoning is that case is fixed, right? There's one thing that you follow through the entire process, but what you usually see is that it's multiple 
related things, related objects that you create over time that have a little bit of an, uh, your own life cycle. And that might sound a little bit abstract, but to give to put that into uh, um, a um, process that people might know, when you um, when you're a customer, you could reach out to a, a customer service desk, a help desk, and then you could create a ticket for, to get your issue resolved. Um, and you might what you can you can create multiple ticks in parallel, right? If you have multiple issues with your uh, system, now you could track a customer over that over the um, over the cycle just to see um, how many ticks they've created over time, how much time was in between them. You even sometimes have like it's these difficult performance indicators that say we only say say an issue is resolved if the customer doesn't reach out again within 30 days. So that would mm -hmm. mean, okay, we want to we wanna follow our customers. But for other things, you might want to look into each ticket individually instead of looking into it from a customer perspective. So there's usually different things that can, that can be created and changed over time, and they are related to other things. So there's not one thing in a process, indeed. That makes sense. And th th that means that you have to have some sort of tooling in general to try and get a, a wrangling of this data to make it work. Now, traditionally, how would you resolve an issue like this? And I'm talking before the work you've done with Connecti and, and the approach you've taken. Traditionally, how would you resolve these disparate sources, these you know, did, like distributed data sets, um, and make them into something that made sense for process mining? And what does it look like now? Like, what what is the delta that comes with an mm. approach like what Connecti takes? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so what you usually would do is you need to go to a, chalk, a whiteboard and you would draw out a process, right? And then you would create an hypothesis. What is the key thing we want to follow to the process? What are the activities we want to include? And then you start extracting, exploring, and transforming your data to get your event log from that single case perspective, say the customer. Sure. Um, so you will start, you will write those codes, you will write what Roland calls the beast, following and focusing on this one uh, case perspective. And that for that, you would need to know most of what you are looking for beforehand, right? Because you have to write that all out and in order to feed the beast or structure the beast a little bit, you would need to um, yeah, know beforehand what you're looking for and what you're going to add to the beast. Uh, what we do in Connecty is let's say, okay, let's in the exploration phase, just annotate and click and collect the data that's relevant. And then along the way, put in the relationships between different objects, different things in your process. So right. let's say a customer is interesting, a ticket is interesting, a um, customer help desk officer might be another object that you want to include in your analysis. And then you start adding the activities to them. For a customer, that might be their creation. Um, oh wait, when you think about customers, you always think maybe they have different subscriptions. Let's also add an object for a subscription with a creation and any modification. A ticket is related to a customer and it has these activities that I want to map out. And for the resource, these are the activities that I want to include on the resource level. So you would just get all these little nuggets of information and map them along the way in a very agile approach. And only once you say, okay, I'm satisfied with the, with the nuggets of information that I currently have, now I'm going to start preparing my event log. And that's actually only the moment in time that you 
choose a perspective on your process. So then that, that's the moment in time where you say, now I know this information, let's start out with an analysis from the customer perspective. Yeah, and I think this is, this is I like to reiterate it, and, and I have to admit, I've seen a demo of Connecty, so <laughs> I, I, I have some, some visuals in the back of my mind. But um, when you look at, at the traditional way, um, what I see in process mining tools is uh, people are forced to write code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's all no matter how they call it, process query language or whatever, SQL uh, ish, whatever. Right. So people have to write code, which is a big bummer for business analysts because they typically don't do this. And then there's a another tool uh, set that, uh, like an Altrix or a Nime, you know, which is a visual interface, right? Which is a little bit more business user friendly. And, and I created the beast in one of those. Um, but the, the key thing is, the key thing is you need to know from the beginning what you want to track, right? So in that, in that bank example that I, that I mentioned, we wanted to track the projects that they do, right? From somebody has an idea to the approval of this, which went through a process of different stages, but it was always the projects. I think the difference, what you do with Connecty, if I have understood it correctly, is mm -hmm. you don't predict this. You take the the like you said the the individual nuggets of information and create relationships, but you don't predict that you want to have a look at oh at projects or at org units or at whatever you you want to look at. Is that is that a fair statement for yeah. a qualitative difference between the approach that you take and traditional approaches take? Yeah, it has the indeed it has the opportunity because. Setting it up the way we do with Connecty means you um, you can still you're very flexible in, in choosing their perspective, right? You can look into projects or work units or both, then just create two different event logs. It's just a few clicks. Um, but the main reason we built it actually is because we were so focused on how can we do it faster. And if you're mm. looking into the SQL code or in the Alteryx graphs that you create now, it's for every table that you find interesting you have to trace it back to the to the main case table and yeah. but not all everything is directly related to it but usually it takes multiple jumps over different tables to to get to the back to the case table so what we did with, what we thought with connect is wait but if we only need to if we only identify the key relations then that's easier but it also saves us clicks right it's all about how can we make this efficient so it's both a way to do the data preparation faster um, and a way to make it a lot more flexible. That makes sense. I, I wanted to talk with, because you use the analogy of the UVC, like about a backstage and onstage. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about and, and think about the, the need for different levels of technical acumen in different roles along the way. When I think about this backstage and onstage, and I think this is a really good example, um, actors on stage, which I think about as sort of the process mining communicators, our business users, our community, really don't need to know how the fly system works for changing sets. And they mm. don't need to know how the, the you know, the, the talkback clear comm works between the lighting designer and the onstage person calling cues or backstage person calling cues. They don't need to know all those components. Those people do. And those people also don't need to know how to act. And the mm -hmm. question is, how much technical acumen are you trying to sort of automate out or platform out so that your business users can get closer access to the data? 
or how much do you philosophically believe that you should have this intermediary of a stage manager or the people who wear all black as we we call them in the theater um, to be able to facilitate this conversation between the audience and the and your actors and that their role is important because they take away the technical requirements on your actors so they can be better as actors as Mm. Or in our case, process communicators. It's just a philosophical question whether or not you should yeah. make your platform more business user friendly or quite mm-hmm. the opposite, make it more powerful, but make it easier for business users to contribute to it. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, I think, all right, so how do I give it? I love this analogy because it makes me think on this topic on a different way. But um, I, I wouldn't say a backstage manager is completely obsolete because it will, that will never be the case. There are just things happening in those databases that are so complex or so rare that you can't, as a business user, you you can't get your grip on that. You'll always need a data engineer for the highly specialized cases. But to keep in that analogy of of performers and actors, what's currently happening a lot is that you have backstage people and onstage people, and they don't talk to each other at all. So whatever. So you have people that do all the backstage work and you have people that do yeah. the onstage work. And what happens is onstage people just say, this is the data that I need. And backstage people think, okay, I'll go and check. But they, the communication is not that great. What actually happens in fact is that people on stage don't know what, what happens in the back, backstage or what's a, what they can ask from backstage, backstage people, right? Because they, Sometimes they have to ask which data they want, but they don't know it yet. They want to, they need to explore it a little bit. And right mm-hmm. now the data preparation is one big black box. And also in the data preparation, a lot of key decisions are made. So it matters which data you include and which you don't. And it matters which specific, sometimes there are multiple, um, m- multiple times I'm saying almost the same thing, but not exactly. And now all those choices are made by someone that doesn't do the, the analysis. So mm-hmm. with Connecty, it's, it's, it's not our um, goal to completely get rid of data engineers because they are always necessary for the actual hard work, but it is to let the data engineers excel in what they do best, which is those um, more, uh, for them, the more um, academically stimulating tasks of uh, the, the difficult data preparation and for the business analysts to keep in the loop and find the data that they can actually find. Yeah, and I, I definitely, when we come back, and it's about time for our break, because at least my brain is starting to <laughs> melt. Um, when we come back, we definitely will talk uh, again about what are the, the advantages of a more agile approach. But until then, um, obviously, dear listeners, um, I'd be curious to learn what are your experience in creating a beast, you know, the data model for your process mining uh, efforts. How often did you have to change that data model in your projects? And how often did you have to restart your analysis because you shifted the focus? We leave you alone for a couple of seconds with obviously the wonderful music that our friend Jeremy provides to our show. And we will meet again in our second segment.
are back with our second section with our fantastic guest today, Lotta. Well, Lotta, that, that was a really, a really amazing conversation about the why. We really got into the sort of why data preparation in process mining is so important. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the things we, we we wanted to talk about in the second section, we usually speak about more of the how. Let's talk yeah. about how do we achieve efficiency in data preparation. You talked about one of your goals is faster data preparation, and that that you know absolutely, I can see how that hooks up. From we have a problem, we want to address this problem. How do we more quickly get to a point where we can actually get a data set? A you know this is we call it creating a set of generally available information upon which you can build insight. How do we get there faster, uh, and why is that so important for organizations who are looking to make changes with data as a driver? Hmm. All right. So to to start with the second part of the question, right? To why? Um, I think the need for efficiency within data preparation. Um, it's all about the effort that it takes versus the benefit, right? Uh, you see this discussion happening on a lot of different different layers. So you see whenever you start initializing a project that your CIO will see, will say, it's a big risk. If we don't know exactly how much, what the business cases that we'll find, right? Because Prosman is partly exploratory. What are the yeah. inefficiencies in our process? We don't know yet how big it is, but it's this big of a time investment. I don't know. It's a risk. When you can decrease the time it takes and therefore also the, the cost and timeline of a project, you, you also reduce that risk. Um, second, what you hear in after uh, approach projects, okay, we love the results, but from the project team, we just hated how, how much time it took us to get there. All the delays in the project, um, usually the investment, the time investment you need is a bit higher than, than estimated at the beginning. Um, and then lastly, time matters when you go and scale your process mining initiatives, when you've taken those two hurdles, uh, made your CIO, um, enthusiast enthusiastic and your uh, project team uh, uh, enthusiastic as well is that when you increase the number of process mining data models that you create you also cre- uh, increase the maintenance time that it takes you right uh. so Roland exp- explained the beasts imagine having to feed and maintain 10 beasts or 20 beasts or 50 beasts yeah i think the challenge <laughs> is if you want to use process mining after an implementation, so you figure out the problem, you know, you put in whatever your solution design, you do changes in systems, blah, 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 blah. You obviously mm-hmm. want to use ideally your same process mining project to see the change that happened. And that's most likely not the case if you introduce new applications in your process or remove something. You basically not really 100% start over, but you have quite an effort to. Um, adapt your existing data model to the new reality of your now new as is uh, state. And and that is something that uh, gets easily uh, overlooked. Yeah. And even when in those rare cases where the IT landscape for an end-to-end uh, process remains the same, you still see that you continue to build upon your process model because you find out that your inefficiency is in the second leg of the customer journey. So you yeah. want to zoom into that, get more details on that. And when you fix that, you see that another issue pops up in the last leg of it. So you want to expand on that. So it's it's uh, it's always a work in progress. Yeah, that's a, that's the a fun. That's the fun of it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also want to loop back, Lotta, on what you said about increasing or decreasing time to value. And 
I kind of want to put another caveat on that because I feel like, well, you can increase time to value, sure, whatever. You can decrease the overall cycle time of a process mining project with what you're talking about, which is a focus on data and, and efficiency of data uh, preparation. The thing that I, I, I feel is most valuable here, and I, I wanted to call it up very specifically, is you are increasing or you're decreasing the time to perceived value. Because I feel like a lot of CIOs, a lot of senior leadership, the data preparation is viewed as kind of a necessary evil that it doesn't mm -hmm. itself have any value. So mm -hmm. even if your overall timeline is shorter because your data preparation time is shorter, it's way more valuable because the data preparation itself is shorter, right? The analysis time, which is perceived as valuable, is can be as long as you need. Like, oh my goodness, I could do <laughs> multiple iterations on this data. Oh, but you, you, you darn data engineers didn't take all your time with all your technical stuff. Yeah, you got you got your stuff done quick, which was the mm -hmm. that was that was the burden we had to bear. If they can break that burden down and decrease that time, it's decrease the time to perceived value, which I think is kind of cool um, because you're getting rid of the stuff people don't like to acknowledge they have to pay for. And mm -hmm. uh, that I, I feel like as a communicator, as part of what we do, Roland and I, um, that's a big boon to us because one of the hardest hurdles for us to get over is people saying, this feels hard or this seems like it takes too long on the technical side. I don't see information quickly enough. And we all on the call know that data preparation is key to getting the right information on a visualization. But how many times has someone asked you, well, can I, can I just set a dashboard? And you're like, well, there's like a bunch of steps between now and data that is ready to show on a dashboard. Like I can throw what you're showing on a dashboard, but it won't mean anything. Like you have to understand there's, there's, there's like, <laughs> there's layers of preparation we go through. But like, if you can reduce that time, I feel like that's a that is that is itself a huge benefit because you are decreasing the pain points of mm -hmm. a whole process mining life cycle. And, and that, that's that's super cool. Yeah, and I, I think for most people outside of like the process mining team, it's the insights, right, that matter and rightly so, because the insights drive the actions and that's where it's yeah. all about. So for them, they I think indeed you have a point, but objectively they shouldn't care where you spend your time on as much as long as it's because it gets you to those insights as fast as possible, but then you need to do it well because otherwise you get a, get a, with the wrong insights and that's what you uh, want the least. Now we open a complete different topic, like how Ooh. do you charge for a process mining project? You know, is it, a, is it a time and materials thing? Is it a value? I don't want to go down that path, but mm -hmm. that's an interesting, an interesting conversation to have at mm -hmm. least maybe, maybe for the next uh, episode where we invite you a lot. So oh, let's yes. keep that keep that on the table. But mm -hmm. um, I think we we established pretty well that there is a a uh, efficiency uh, issue mm -hmm. with creating the data, yeah. right? So for all of those listeners who haven't noticed that by now, forty <laughs> something, you know, that's that's great. So we also know that that the data preparation phase can be a problem for multiple reasons that we spoke mm -hmm. about. But the question that I have now, Lotte, is how do you fix this? Okay, so the, the short and easy answer, of course, as uh, one of the founders behind Connecty is to use Connecty in this space. But let's maybe first <laughs> go <Ooh. in> <laughs> to first go into like some main things that you can do right away if you want to start with a pro mine initiative um, or project and say, okay, let's how can I make sure that the data preparation goes as fast as possible? Um, I think earlier we talked about this 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 balance between uh, how the data is stored and how you want your data to be, right? So your data is scattered over 
different tables and it's hard to know where to start. So to get a starting point, I think it's important to, um, first of all, map out your main process steps uh, and then translate these steps or process milestones into, um, let's just call it like the language of the system, right? So if then you would ask people in the process, okay, but which document in the system would contain this milestone? Could you maybe just open it up and show me an example of it? And um, this seems um, sometimes maybe uh, non-significant, but in other instances, it's harder than you think. Um, I think Jam and I previously talked about the difference between when you do something on a header level or on a line level, but yeah. to come back to maybe a more non-technical uh, example, um, I talked before about like a, a customer support process. And there, if you're, if you're going to look into um, like closing a ticket, when can you close a ticket? Is that something that you do on a ticket or is that somewhere else? You could, you could, the easy answer is you close a ticket, so it's on a ticket level. But when you have the internal definition that you can only close a ticket if the customer hasn't reached out to you in any way 30 days, on a, on a stretch of 30 days or longer, then it might be in something that you need to track on a customer. And those nitty gritty details matter. So defining your milestones and defining on which level or which object they take place helps you a lot when you go and prepare your data in the later phase stage. And the second, when you have those those objects um, that all have activities, it's important to map out together how they are related on a conceptual level, right? Is the customer directly related to a ticket? Probably, but in other cases, that's it goes over different documents. So it's not a direct relationship, but an indirect. And knowing how they are related is also very helpful when you start doing your data preparation. Um, what else? What can you do without outside of using Connecti? Um, perhaps, of course, the inclusion of an of an SME is important. So mm -hmm. um, letting them walk you through the front end of the systems that you use for a process and showing them what they perform, which activities are in there, check it with your uh, mapped out process, and also to see which timestamps they can already see from the front end because then you know for sure that it's stored somewhere that can help you in getting a better mental picture of how the, where the data is stored and, uh, and why. Yeah, having the SME is really important from my perspective because how many times have you done a project on something that you have no idea how it works? <laughs> You're like, ah, I just have a bunch of data in a big, big friggin' CSV and I have no idea what this pertains to. Let me just give you some insights on it. <laughs> yeah, but you also have the, the other opposite, JM, you know, where you talk to a business person and they say, oh, show me, you know, and I said, I have no clue how this comes together. You know, <laughs> I just fill out this form, you know, so I, I think Fair. it's really, really challenging uh, to, to get these things, um, yeah, figured out, you know, to say at least before you actually can start doing something and, and creating your data model. Um, but maybe, uh, Lotta, maybe we go a little bit into the nuts and bolts now, you know, mm -hmm. um, once you figure that out, you know, you got your napkin level process and you've identified the tables and, and all that type of stuff. Um, and you said it in the first segment, but maybe what is the, the steps that you, that you then actually take? What's the actual doing so that at the end of the day, you get your beautiful data table mm. that gets ingested in your process mining tool and then everybody says O and R 
when looking at uh, the discovered process. But what, what's that middle step again? Yeah, so that's about the transformation. So you know where your or where most of the data that you need is stored, and now you need to transform it into this nice event log. Um, the process that you um, take there depends a little bit on the tool you select. Um, most tools are relatively unstructured in that, and you can use whatever way you would uh, you would want. If you basically write your data transformation SQL, you can start wherever. Uh, but if you do that, I'd still um, recommend you take a specific structure to it. So to like, use CTEs and give every object and every activity separate CTE, and that, that might help. Um, with Connecty, it, um, it works as follows. So you define the building blocks of your event log first. So those are objects, things that flow through your process and have a life cycle, have activities. You create activities, things happening to those objects, and you relate objects to each other. And those are three steps in the data transformation um, that you need to complete before you can start your build your first event log. And in building your event log, what you do then is select your case perspective, select the nuggets of information you created before you want to include, validate your uh, event log, and then start using it in your process mining tool. That's cool. You said the words or the letters CTE. What? 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 So, what do you mean by CTE? Ooh, that, ooh, here you challenge me a bit on my SQL knowledge. It's a common table expression. It's a way hey. to go from 4,000 lines of code to 4,000 more structured lines of code. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to try to define all the acronyms because people, I'm sure, are going to look it up afterwards, but uh, <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, though, uh, one of the things that comes up a lot in my process mining projects, which is data quality. Hmm. Um, so uh, how are are you installing in this process? And let's not just talk technical, let's also talk philosophically. How do you install and where do you install data quality checks and what mechanisms, what kinds of mechanisms do you use to ensure data quality? Do you truncate data sets? Do you mm -hmm. choose to go back and fetch more information so you do an iterative gathering process? Like where, where do you ensure that the last set of information before the data analysis goes into play is mm -hmm. as correct and complete as possible? Hmm. I love that you open up the uh, topic of data quality, because when we started with Connecty, our first gut feeling said that we should focus on data quality rather than speed of, uh, um, of um, speed of the data transformation. In the end, we chose to go for the speed of things because that's what uh, makes uh, the, the biggest impact on the bottom line. But I, um, I love to talk about data quality. So um, there are a lot of different things to consider when you start um, preparing your data for process mining, because there are some data quality issues that are especially pertinent to process mining. Um, you have to realize when you start process mining that you're looking at data that's usually that's usually not, it, that is so granular that it hasn't been used a lot in other types of analysis. Right. It's usually the logging data that you're using, and there's just not a lot of analysis being done on that. So there's still a lot of, uncovered territory also when it comes to, to data quality issues. <laughs> um, we took a pretty simple approach, I'd say, to data quality, and that's to look into like the issues that we summarize most often. Um, one of the things we tended to make a lot of mistakes of, of in the past was on these relationships between uh, objects and activities and between 
objects. So for example, um, if you have a um, customer and a ticket, then you expect a one-to-many relationship. That one customer can create multiple tickets, but that one ticket can only be related to a single customer. And again, it sounds like a te technical detail, but what you see is when you don't select the right way to, to relate these two, then you get this explosion of things happening and you don't really know where it comes from. So for <laughs> us, like quick validations of whether the relations are set correct is one of the key things that we implemented first because it's such an easy thing to do wrong. Right. Um, second is um, timestamp formats. So there is there exists a unified timestamp format, but it's not used in systems. Um, so you see so many different timestamp formats. And, um, <laughs> and then I haven't even talked about time zones. I had one project where I thought, okay, time zoning won't be an issue because this is a process just, that just happens on one place. But then when you go look into the data, you saw that different systems are were used and the servers of the servers of those systems were on two different places with two different time zones. So oh. timestamp harmonization is another big possible data quality issue. So so just to, to make it clear, the duration of that step was then negative. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because the trigger was in <laughs> Europe and, and the timestamp was in the US, for example, with yeah. a couple of hours difference. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Um, you see the same thing happening when one thing is only has only a date and the other does have a date and the time, right? Then the one with mm -hmm. the date will get time zero. So it will always happen before the activity, whereas you might expect it to happen after the activities. There's a lot of those uh, things that, can, uh, that can, can go wrong. So what do we do about that? Because obviously, you know, I've also had my durations show up as negative in my dashboard and be like, something's mm -hmm. wrong with my data. So how do you address the challenge? Because you're identifying where the challenges might be, but, but what's mm -hmm. the how on this? Yeah, so, um, so for relations, that's clear because that's just checking them within Connecty. You can just run a sample and then see what the relationship is. Um, right. For the for timestamps, what you would use then is you create your event log and you look at this, a few samples and then you try mm -hmm. and quickly validate, okay, are these activities in the order that I expect? Um, most often there are some things are switched a little bit and then you look into them and see, oh wait, they do have the same timestamp. I just need to change the sort order column for these things. And then you can easily swap them around. And then when you see, and just check a dozen of different traces and you usually find those uh, timestamp issues uh, a lot, uh, very fast. Or you find this timestamp harmonization issue and then you fix that in your event store. That's the whole way why we set it up with those building blocks and doing, being able to do this very flexible and very agile so that with a few samples, you can already uncover most of these issues. Yeah. For me, a lot of it sounds like you've got a lot of like the technical enablement that helps to <laughs> accelerate the uh, identification of where the issues are. But Roland, remember you and I worked on a project a couple of years ago where we had to create a dashboard and uh, after the first iteration, of the dashboard with all, like we did extensive client uh, discovery. We had a lot of conversations with this big financial institution Roland and I were working with. And we came back with a bunch of their KPIs around different intervals as negative, like as oh. a negative time. And we went, we went back to them. We're like, I think our data preparation is perfect. Like, I think we're pretty much, but like, we, we spent a ton of time doing this. I think it's right. And your intervals are showing negative. 
And then they came back to us and said, well, what we didn't tell you is that sometimes it happens in the opposite order. So what you're detecting, or it happens in a specific place, like, or this, this is not a relevant statistic for like this subset of cases. And like, there's a whole bunch more information. We're like, why do we go down the whole data prep route? And at no point in time did you have this conversation with us. And once we presented the final readouts, you finally told us the the first step we should have found out again, but with the real the real information on it. Yeah, but that is a learning experience, you know. That was also a first project, you know, and and I don't know, well, it's a couple of years ago. I don't know a lot of what your experiences are today. Um, in my experience, process mining is still pretty new for a lot of people. So it's still not, quote unquote, mainstream and everybody knows how it works and, and what needs to be done. Uh, but I, I have the hope that in a couple of years it becomes mainstream and people will ask the right questions from the beginning and, and you don't run into those issues. But, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. So I think we're, we're approaching um, the hour slowly uh, of the show um, and I guess it's time for another break but before we let you go into the break and, and obviously listen to a little bit of music I do have some questions for you dear listeners um, where do you see the future of your process mining data preparation uh, how will you bring together the, the backstage and the onstage that we spoke about and how do you accelerate your data cleansing and harmonization and then by these means obviously provide better insights to your community we leave you alone for a couple of seconds to think about this. And I'm pretty sure if we ask Lotta, she will have an answer for this. But uh, before that, um, we're listening again to some nice music from Jeremy. Right, we are back for the last section and conclusions for this episode. My goodness, Lotta, this has been a it's been a really exciting and interesting delve into the idea of data preparation and accelerating time to value for your process mining project. Now, I, so it's a summary for things we've talked about over the course of the past hour or so. We've talked about why data, data preparation is important and what that 80-20 rule of backstage and onstage was. And the ideas of data exploration, finding all your information and data transformation, harmonizing it so it's actually useful, as well as a brief touch on data quality to make sure that it's also accurate and complete. To do that, you need people involved in your process, systems to help to collect all that information together and make it into a format that's usable and ultimately a, a process for data preparation for your process mining. And so I, I think, Lotta, that's been a, a really cool set of, co of topics. And I think everyone wants to know the next question, though, is how might we help our audience get in touch with you and find out more about how you do it with Connecty? Right. Well, first of all, Jen, that was a very good summary, I think, of our conversation. Um, <laughs> as a quick call to action, um, easiest thing is to um, look, uh, look, our, uh, look up on our website. So that's getconnecty.io. There you'll learn more about how Connecty works uh, and why it speeds up data preparation so much. Uh, you can also reach out to me personally. 
um, if you want to see a demo or want to um, request an evaluation license for, for Connecty, that's lotte at getconnecty.io. Um, I'll be happy to get you uh, started. And of course, you do have a LinkedIn page. Of course, yeah. And, and all that stuff that we're going to put in the show notes um, for, for your uh, convenience, dear listeners, because as I always say, you're not to t about to take notes while you're driving. So just go <laughs> to the show notes and, and we will have all those links for you there. Well, talk about the show notes, and this is a quick pitch for whatsyourbaseline.com because thank you so much to all of our listeners for coming along with us. We'd love for you to go and see more about our show. We see lots of folks coming and watching each episode, but head over to whatsyourbaseline.com for show notes and more information, as well as lots more links to different episodes. For this episode specifically, whatsyourbaseline.com slash episode 63. But please, Go onto the website, go onto our LinkedIn, follow, share it with your friends. We love seeing our community expand and we love connecting with people like Lotta, who are fantastic <laughs> to connect the topics we love and care about in this industry. But we will see you later, friends. And until next time, I've been J.M. Erlinson. I'm Lotta. And my name is Roland Volt. And we will see you in the next one. 